Our message today comes from Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 28. Hear these words. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, minding the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing within him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee, the word of God for the people of God. It's been an interesting week. Um, our house just got power back um, last night. Um, and so uh, sermon preparation looks different um, when you don't have Wi-Fi. Um, sermon preparation looks different uh, when you don't have a word processor to type everything out on. But I'm so excited. Um, really, this series I've been interested in uh, since about June 1st. Just the reality that we could read Scripture together in small, digestible amounts, that we could preach from the pulpit about it, that we could even share through social media uh, our experiences uh, of reading Scripture together. Um, so, a, a few questions beforehand. Uh, first of all, what do you do daily? What do you do daily? This would be the audience participation part of the sermon, right? So what do you do daily? You, you pray. Oh, someone started off with the good Sunday school answers. You pray daily. That's right. You do a family devotion. Oh my gosh, I'm really proud of being y'all's pastor. What, what else do you do daily? Take a, Take a shower, right? You do all those hygiene things. Thank you. I'm glad we smell good too. Um, <clears throat> maybe some of us go to work and school daily, most days, right? What other things do you do daily? Sw I thought you said swimming, and I was thinking, I want to go swimming daily too. That's a good thing, daily, right? Uh, drink coffee, I heard over here, yes? Get the appropriate amount of caffeine, yeah? You call, you call the people that you love, you call your dad, right? My mother calls me weekly on Saturdays. Um, yeah, so, so there are some things that we do for convenience, and there are some things that we do because it does better for us to be around others when we do hygiene things. And there are other things that we do because they're part of life and passion and call, right? I would say that reading Scripture daily is one of those opportunities for us to connect with God and then also to kind of um, discern what God's calling us to do in the world, right? 
Um, I know these days with the internet, we no longer say the word bored, uh, or I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'm bored, mom, what can I do? I'm bored, dad. That was always a really scary thing to say in my house growing up, um, because there would be a chore found for you, right? And of course, these days, no one gets bored anymore because we have these, you know, devices in our pocket that we can always come up with interesting things uh, to say and do. But why would we um, read Scripture? Jake, if you'll give me the next slide. Why read Scripture? I really do believe we read Scripture because we want to figure out what God's purpose is for us. Now, you might say not every Scripture passage that you read each day tells you about the big, hairy, audacious goal that God wants you to have. And I'd say, well, yeah, that's about right. But there are little bits and pieces as we read Scripture that reminds us about what God intends our uh, character to be like, what God intends our finances to be like, what God intends our relationships to be like. Um, th those are important pieces as well. So we read the Bible so that we can discern what God's call or purpose is for our lives. Now, when we think about this whole uh, project, uh, I'm getting my notes up here, um, apologies. So I often get questions from people asking me, how do I grow in my faith? Um, how do you grow in your faith? Now, a lot of us grew up at a time when you, when you became a member of the church, you also accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and that was like really good fire insurance so that you knew you were going to heaven, right? And at that point, we were done, right? I, I, I like to think of... Um, uh, the, um, that first Baptist church in Pascagoula, Mississippi, where they had the problem with all of the uh, um, uh, squirrels, I think it was, and the way they got rid of the squirrels is they baptized them and they never came back, right? <laughs> it's a great song. But there's also truth in every piece of humor that we offer. And we offer that humor that the way to get rid of uh, the vermin uh, is to baptize them because they'll never come back. It's because sometimes that happens in church. Once we've got that card, that get out of jail free card, once we get that, um, that uh, feeling uh, that we are good, we no longer have to work at it. And I wanna say that there's a different goal uh, for us as Christians than getting fire insurance. I would say that our goal as Christians is to journey closer to the heart of God. In Wesley's day, they said sanctification or moving on to perfection. I think for us, just moving closer to the heart of God is good. If you've walked in the doors in the last nine years, you've heard me say that Jesus rarely ever talks about membership. What he does talk about is friendship. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I now call you friends in the upper room before he goes to be tried and crucified. I no longer call you servants, I now call you friends. So when we're journeying to the heart of God, we're journeying closer to our friend who created us, redeems us, and sustains us. And if you're looking for a recipe or a formula, I'd say growing in faith is easy. First, understand what the church believes. Then put it into practice. And lastly, listen in your walk with God to figure out what God's calling you to do. You put these three things together and you've got growth. 
And what's, um, let's see, it's simple, but not easy. Is that fair to say? Uh, growing in faith is simple. It's uh, one plus one plus one equals growth, but it's not easy. It takes regular daily work, daily discipline, daily commitment. So today, and for the next three more weeks, we're going to talk about the particular practice of reading Scripture, right? We're going to talk about the particular practice of reading Scripture. And so I want to say a few words while we read Scripture today about how do you read Scripture, right? Some of us just kind of open it up. We um, randomly have a, a Bible from our grandmother's house, and it is um, uh, King James and uh, you know, you have to be able to read Beowulf uh, and uh, Gilgamesh uh, to be able to understand all the these, thous, and, and such, right? Um, I would say when we read Scripture, um, there's an easy five-step process. The first is to pray. Did you notice we didn't have a prayer for illumination this morning? Meredith did a great job of reading Scripture. I want to invite you as we begin to read Scripture today, um, let's uh, bow for a word of prayer. Uh, Almighty God, as we read your words to us, give light to our path, wisdom to our understanding, and in these moments of reading your words, transform us as we journey closer to your heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Do you have to say the prayer I just said? Nope. But say some words that just kind of ask God to kind of shed a light on what you're about to do. The next step in reading scripture um, for me is um, just the facts. Read the story like from the book or your phone. I, I use my phone too, it's okay, right? Um, but you wanna figure out what the facts are. And so let's read um, a section of our scripture for today. Um, this would be 21, Mark chapter one, verse 21, and we'll read down through 28. Um, so as I'm reading it, I want you to either read along or listen. Listening's good. You have to remember that for most of church history, literacy was an all-time low, and the only person who could read um, was the person up front who taught. And so listening is okay. But I don't know about you, but I can listen and not listen. I, I think my wife calls it um, listening versus hearing. <laughs> I say, I heard you. And she says, yeah, but you weren't listening to me. I'm like, woo. If she's not here today, it's okay, I can say those things. Uh, anyways, so listen, right? Don't just hear. Um, so they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. 
All right, so we read it, and I'm hoping that you didn't just hear it, but you were listening. Then in the midst of just the facts, say the facts back. Say them out loud to yourself, or if you're studying with others, say it to them. So what happened in our story? Do you know? Jesus People were amazed. That's right. I like to begin my um, summary of this passage by saying, Jesus preached a good sermon, right? <laughs> Knock that puppy out of the ballpark, and people were amazed, right? Um, and then what else happens further down? Is there more action? Somebody tell me. Who shows up to disrupt the party? An unclean spirit shows up. Oh, Tony, you're going to the next step. Wait, wait on me. Tony said, an unclean spirit shows up, and Jesus casts him out, and then she said under her breath, but where did he go? Ah, that's the next one. Don't go there yet. All right, so we, we repeat the facts. Oh, Jake's already gone on to the next one. Um, we repeat the facts so that we understand what happens in the story, and then you fill in the holes. Now, you can fill in the holes by Googling, mm, you can fill in the holes by maybe having a Bible commentary, like you can pick one up. Uh, uh, Amazon has a ton of them, right? You could go by the church's library, and we have a number of reference things. You could fill in the holes by texting your pastor. So where does the unclean spirit go after Jesus casts him out, right? But fill in the holes. Sometimes filling in the holes means we have to use our imagination, so I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, um, you, you know, if Jesus preaches a sermon and hits it out of the ballpark, I want to know what was amazing about it. Like, did he have like a command of like dates and figures and history? Did he use pie charts? I'm being humorous. Y'all could laugh, right? What was it that made them amazed, right? Now, I'd be willing to tell you that what made them, uh, so Mark is the action uh, gospel, Okay, it's not the romantic comedy gospel, it's the action adventure gospel. Um, the most common word that uh, Mark uses to transition between chapters and story is immediately. Y you got it? Immediately, they next did. Immediately, they went. Immediately, right? Um, in fact, in the gospel of Mark, um, Jesus casts out the most uh, demons or unclean spirits. There is something going on here about what Jesus is about and what Jesus' intentions are for his work in the world. Um, the Gospel of Mark is also, I think, um, the shortest uh, in terms of number of words, and you can read it the quickest, which is one of the reasons why Thea and I chose it uh, for our work uh, this month. Um, and uh, so when we fill in the holes, um, the, um, the Gospel of Mark often likes to say, Jesus has this quality, and then shows you how it works. Did you notice in this story, right? Um, they say, oh my gosh, he teaches with authority. And then what's the next uh, action that happens? He casts out demons. And you get the impression that the garden variety scribe or rabbi did not go into supernatural warfare like Jesus did, right? So you try to fill in the holes and understand what's going on. Now, some people just stop right there, and they say, there's too many holes, I can't figure it out, I'm done. I want to encourage you to go on to the next step, uh, step number four. Who are you in the story? Now, I have one rule about who you are in the story. You don't get to be Jesus. Just being honest, right? 
you know, who you are in the story is not Jesus, but who are you in that story? Who are you? Are you somebody on the fringe of the crowd listening? And you're going, huh, he really knows this stuff. Or are you somebody right there on the front row and you're doubting whether he's got authority until that unclean spirit comes up? Or maybe you're the one that's been possessed by the unclean spirit, feeling powerless and paralyzed by what's happening to you and watching almost as a spectator as Jesus casts this evil out of your life. Who are you in that story? And I, I'm, you know, yes, we've done audience participation, but I'm not gonna ask you to um, uh, call out who you are in the story, but this is the work of reading scripture. And so take a moment. Now, I like to think that, ex- uh, that introverts would journal about this, and extroverts would find a friend that uh, loves them, cares about them, and wants to see them succeed, and would have a conversation about it. But figure out, who are you in the story? And then lastly, number five, well, and I guess I should say that who am I in the story? I, yeah, I'm probably right there listening, wanting to learn. Um, how do I also have that authority? How do I also understand that power? How do I also lead in that way? But, but maybe you've got a different connection to the story. The last one is, how will you be changed? Having read this scripture passage, what is different about you for the weeks to come? Now, you might say, nothing, except I've spent 10 minutes reading scripture. And I would say, mm How will you be changed even if you haven't been changed already? How will you be changed? It could be that now you're gonna start listening to teachers and preachers to hear whether they have any authority as to what they're talking about. Um, It's quite common and popular um, in Methodist clergy circles these days to get a doctorate of ministry, which is um, abbreviated D period M-I-N. And if you say it really fast and nobody knows what you're talking about it, it sounds like you have a demon, right? And then what's really cool when you get your doctorate is you get a new robe and the robe has stripes on it, which indicate your academic achievements, which mean nothing if your older sister has a PhD and is a tenured faculty person at Duke University. Anyways, that's my story, not yours. Um, oftentimes clergy, when they come into ministry, they will wear uh, not an academic robe, but an alb. It's believed to be the um, dress of a servant. Um, And so they're telling you something about that robe that they see themselves as a servant to the congregation. I I joked with my peers uh, when I got my doctorate um, that I was gonna put stripes on my alb. Do you get the irony? (laughs) a servant's uh, robe, but hey, you need to know I'm better than you, right? Um, How will you be changed? I know how I will be changed. Um, I'll recognize that it doesn't have to do with the letters before my name or after my name that say anything about my ability to preach about the gospel. It has everything about being connected to the source, about knowing who the master is. What would it be for you? How will you be changed? And in these five steps, by reading scripture, we come to realize how sanctification begins to work in us, how we journey closer to the heart 
of God, how we become a friend or a disciple, whatever metaphor you wanna use. Do you see how the magic works? Believing that God has spoken in scripture, we take some time to practice it. And when we practice it, we find that we will be changed. Now, um, as we continue to kind of think about scripture, uh, for sure, um, I want to say again, um, Jake, if you'll give me that next slide, is that we read Bible, no one calls the preacher at 11 o'clock on Sunday. Oh my gosh, my phone just went off. Um, we read the Bible to discern God's purposes for our lives. Notice we don't read the Bible to find little um, half-truths in verses that we can then throw at people on Facebook, right? We, we don't use scripture to prove how much we've memorized or how good we are at sword drills because if you just know the drills but you don't know the person who wrote the drills, it, you're disconnected from the power. We don't read scripture to look better or more holy than others because you know someone else might have already read scripture a lot and discern what God's purpose is for their life, but we gotta read it for ourselves. Notice we don't just listen to teachers who read the Bible and then tell us about it. I always think that's interesting. Adam Hamilton is wonderful, but we should read the Bible for ourselves occasionally, right? We read the Bible to discern God's purpose for our lives. So I wanna invite you on a journey. I wanna invite you on an adventure. I want you and uh, us together uh, to start reading scripture, small bits and pieces, barely five minutes at a time. You can keep a journal if you want to about those five questions. Um, you can uh, text me questions about where does the unclean spirit go? Notice I still haven't answered it. Um, you, you know, feel free to kind of lean into the process. Because I think when we read scripture, it begins to change us. The Holy Spirit works within us and we journey closer to the heart of God. Uh, John Wesley had a quote. Uh, Jake, I'd love for you to, oh, it's tiny. Oh, I'm gonna have to read that to you. Okay, so John Wesley wrote, um, he wrote too much. He wrote so much. He was a writer. He was very, uh, like a bookish kind of guy. He was not like Joel Osteen, who was really great at TV ministry. He was just a bookish kind of a guy that had a, a great handle on the truth. And so one of the things he wrote about Methodism uh, towards the end of his life, and he says, I'm not afraid that the people called Methodist should ever cease to exist, either in Europe or in America, but I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect having the form of religion without the power. And this undoubtedly will be the case unless they hold fast both the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which they first set out. And, and I would say that for, um, for Wesley, doctrine included scripture. You couldn't find doctrine unless you read scripture. So don't think he's saying, oh, you should read the book of discipline. Let's go scripture first, right? But notice the language he uses, have the form of religion without the power. How do we get close to the power? Reading it intentionally with discipline with an eye towards what God intends for us, with an eye towards what God's calling us to do, with an eye towards how we'll be transformed. So um, I'm gonna start reading uh, tomorrow. I'm gonna take the approach that um, the days that are in bold are weekdays and the days that are um, italics or not bold are 
um, weekends. And my commitment to you is I will write something on Facebook about what I read every time. And if you're on Facebook and you're a friend of mine, I really don't like Facebook, I'm just saying, because all the language sounds really strange. Well, you're not a friend of mine, you know. Anyways, um, if you're not a friend of mine, then friend me, right? Um, I'll try to copy it over to the Chapelwood um, uh, feed as well. But if you're a Facebook user as well, great. Put your questions there about where the unclean spirit went. Um, or put your um, thoughts about how it's changing you there. You know, uh, put in that where you see yourself in the story. I, I really do believe um, that the Bible is not my book. Have you heard me talk about this before? It's really not my book. I mean, it's great that the printing press came along and put the scriptures in our own language, in our own hands, but really I love the fact that it's our book. And when we read the book together, we benefit from the wisdom of the Holy Spirit moving about the church. And so I want to invite you to take out our book this week, this month, and let's read some stories of Jesus. Let's read some good news, some gospel, because I think it'll change me and it'll change you, and we'll be different because of it. I think that's what Jesus' intentions are for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.